1: or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: We are joined by our good friend, the Hall of Famer, our senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and GallerySports.com, John McLean. John, how are we doing this morning?
3: i great, guys. I'm headed to West Palm Beach for the first 10 days of Astros spring training. I've been as a fan and sat in the stands and drank a lot of beer. and Now I'll be working and writing columns and doing videos every day. There's three of us going, so I'm I'm excited about it.
2: Yeah, that'll be good, John. This will you've you've mixed in a little baseball before, but this is uh, this will be the first time you're just hardcore covering baseball for a couple of weeks, huh?
3: Well, I wrote eight columns in a row on the Astros during the playoffs and World Series because there was no reason to write about the Texans because I'd never written about a champion here. And uh, now because it's so much interest in the Texans, I still do them predominantly. But uh, you can't go wrong with the Astros anything you do because of so popular. And one of the things I like about the D'Amico Ryan's hire, and I know you guys are the same way, everywhere you go in Houston, people are talking about it. And uh, I think that's great. And, of course, the Texans think that great. that's great. And now as we get closer to the start of free agency next month and the draft month out of that, that, that buzz is going to get louder and louder.
2: Yeah, John, so the last two spots are filled now with Shane Steichen in Indy, Jonathan Gannon in Arizona. The Texans ended up interviewing four of the five candidates that got hired in this cycle. Frank Reich was the only one that they didn't talk to. Um so I'm sure now you'll probably have a report card or something coming out on one of the outlets you write for, but is the D'Amico Ryan's hire the best hire of this cycle right now? I know the results will be the results, but as of right now, is that the best hire of the five?
3: No, John Payton's the best hire because he's a great coach and he's a Super Bowl-winning coach, and D'Amico would be number two. And if I was grading, I'd give the Texans an A, the Broncos an A, and uh um uh, by the way, I we I told you this, I think, on our Utopia podcast. That story he had right before I had about them reaching out to D'Amico at the last minute, offering more money, trying to get him, was true, even though the Broncos did everything they could, as they should have when they hired Sean Payton, uh, saying it was not true, but that's how much they valued him. Every team wanted him, including Carolina, and I think that's great. I saw, I think it was CBS Sports dot com that had grades and gave the only
4: a's they gave
3: were the texans and the broncos
4: so um with this uh colorado or the with the broncos reaching out to domico ryans what what was the exact timeline on that was it was it do you think that it was peyton shoving away the broncos or refusing the broncos or the broncos kind of cooling off on peyton and preferring domico
3: i think they just they liked domico they interviewed him the day before the texans did and from what I was told, he told his agent, Jimmy Saxton, who's one of the best in the business. I want to go to Houston, you know, get it done. And uh, they could have milked a couple of more million from the Texans if they'd wanted to use the Broncos. I think that was a case of the Broncos being impressed and, uh, and money was not an issue with them, of course, but I think it was all about D'Amico. And then they pivoted to Peyton and hired him and, and uh, I'm sure they'll love that hire because, man, he's been a great coach for a long time.
2: John McClain joining us for his uh, weekly visit. Um, John, what are your thoughts on the uh, staff additions so far, specifically on the offensive side with Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson?
3: I have a column on SportsRadio610.com com was posted yesterday about how the offense is, should look. It'll be a lot like Gary Kubiak's here. Now they just got to find an Andre Johnson and Arian Foster and Owen Daniels, and it'll be of course like Mike Shanahan ran when Bob Bobby Slowick worked for Mike Shanahan for three years. Kyle was on the staff in Washington, then he was with Kyle and Domenico Ryan's for six years in San Francisco. So that's the offense he knows, and so I would imagine he'll have a few wrinkles on it. And uh, but they got to make sure now, you know the kind of I I wrote about the kind of backs that the 49ers have and how they utilize them and how the zone scheme is going to be implemented. And Kubiak had a really good offensive line for zone blocking. And he had Alex Gibbs, the best coach of that style who started in Denver on that staff he had like four offensive line coaches. And that's one reason their offense was tremendous. And it was very interesting. I'd forgotten about this in 2011. When Schaub missed six games because of injuries, Andre missed nine games because of injuries. They ran the heck out of the ball. Foster had 1,200 yards. Ben Tate had almost 900 yards. They were a gruesome twosome. And then the next year, when they were 12 and four and everybody was healthy, Andre had over 1,500 yards. Foster had over 1,600 yards. That was the best, most prolific, most dangerous offense this franchise has ever had. Now they just got to find an undrafted free agent like Arian Foster and a first-round pick like Andre Johnson. Not to mention a quarterback. That's all.
4: Yeah, John. What's um? Would, would how are we looking at the assistant coaches uh, hiring cycle right now? Like, at what point do we start getting nervous that new guys haven't been hired, uh, or that the they're the retaining too many old guys? All that stuff.
3: Yeah, I think they've been hired. I think they just uh, their style is to wait till everybody's been hired before they announce it. I went back and looked up the last two years. That's what they did. Some of them leak out. It's not like they haven't made their decisions. There's a couple there they have they want, but they haven't gotten. I'm not sure how many they're going to keep. Three or four, including Frank Ross. And thing about D'Amico, the McNairs will give him whatever he needs financially. And one of the things they do with the 49ers because they lose so many coaches because of their consistent success and people in the front office that uh, they they have their position coaches, they have assistant position coaches, they have guys ready to elevate. So I'm sure there's going to be a whole lot of assistant coaches running around NRG Stadium because the Texans hope they get in that situation where people want to hire their coaches.
2: John McClain joining us. Uh, John, this is the first we've talked to you since the Hall of Fame class of 2023 was announced. Andre Johnson made it down to the final 10 again, but didn't get in. No wide receivers get in. Uh, I guess, what what should Texan fans be concerned about right now when it comes to Andre Johnson's imminent Hall of Fame? I think he's going to get in eventually, but if, for those that are looking for him to get in sooner rather than later, what are the biggest concerns right now? Reggie Wayne and Torrey
3: Holt. Uh everybody on our committee, I think, the ones I've heard talk, think they all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Of course, everybody here thinks Andre's the best. Everybody in Indy thinks Reggie Wayne's the best. Everybody in St. Louis thinks that uh, Tory Holt is the best. And they're all deserving. And so it's a log jam. And I remember one time we had Chris Carter, who should have been on the first ballot, and he wasn't. He didn't make it until his third year. But he was there with Tim Brown and Andre Reid. And so Carter made it third year. And then I can't remember how much longer it took Tim Brown, maybe is the next year. And then Andre Reed was longer. And then there was Swan and Starward that, that took forever. And uh, so when you get a log jam of, of guys who people believe all deserve it, you know, what do you do? You know, how do you, can't sit there and say, well, let's put this guy in this year and that guy next year. You just, you vote with your heart and the for infer- and what you believe. And so I've, Explain that to Andre Johnson. He's been incredibly patient and nice about it. And so I told him, I said, we'll do it again next year.
2: John, we've had some fun at the expense of your colleague, Peter King, over the last couple of days because of something he wrote in his Football Morning in America column about the Hall of Fame. And we should preface by saying Peter King is an Andre Johnson supporter. He voted for Andre Johnson to be one of the five to get in. Um, but his reasons in in the blurb that he had about this seemed a little odd, where he said uh, comparing, him, uh, comparing Andre to Holt and Wayne saying that Andre was the biggest and he was almost the fastest. Is this the Combine Hall of Fame, or is this the Pro Football Hall of Fame?
3: No, he was talking about how fast he ran based on his size, which was he bigger than the others, and he was faster than the others. He had him run in the 4.4s. He actually ran in the 4.3s. So he was just pointing out how he was the best combination of size and speed.
4: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. What um – um. With uh, with Derek Carr being kind of the hot topic right now because he'll be a free agent and uh, you know people trying to figure out where he's going to go, I I think um I think some people are thinking that there's going to be a definitive answer on Aaron Rodgers when he comes back from his darkness retreat, but what they don't realize is that. The Packers don't have to start paying Rodgers all that guaranteed money until the first week of the season. So this this Aaron Rodgers potential trade saga could go on for quite some time, could it not?
3: Oh uh, yeah, he went on Pat McAfee yesterday and said, Hey, I'm not doing that. He said he and report. No, no, and no. Adam Schefter he,
4: what?
2: He's not doing it yet. There were reports he had left on it already. He's doing uh, yeah. it still, but he's doing he it. He said end of the they week.
3: don't know bleep. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know why he put Schefter in there because he didn't say anything about it. That was rapid for it. So he said, here I am. And they're saying I'm already there. And the fact is, you know, there's no way he's going to come out of there and go, Oh, I'm going to retire and walk away from 58.3 million. And so it's just a matter of whether he wants to ask the Packers for a trade. You know, they may be tired of this all the time. Remember, Brett Favre, used to delay at the end of his career. He retired three different times mm-hmm. and left him hanging with Aaron Rodgers. And finally, I remember on their way to the senior ball, the hierarchy stopped on the way in uh, Hattiesburg and said, Now, have you retired this time for sure? And he said, Yes. So when Mike McCarthy got back in front of some players, he tossed the football Aaron Rodgers, who was going into his fourth year, and said, Aaron, this team's yours. Brett t- retired for good. And then Brett changed his mind and they said, It's too late. And of course, traded him to the Jets. But, uh, I I boy, would you give it? He's thirty nine. He makes fifty eight point three million. He's going to require at least two first round draft choices, and uh, there are other options. And so I don't know if the Jets would do that or not. It's the media driving that. Social media, the media led by ESPN's Mike Greenberg, a lifelong Jets fans, who's just sending these loves messages to Rodgers, come to the Jets, like he can just snap his fingers and make it happen. And Derek Carr, there's a lot of teams out there that need quarterbacks. You know, anybody that gets him in the NFC South is going to be considered the favorite, and they all need a veteran quarterback. And uh, Washington, you know, Washington's got a great defense, really good running game. You know, what if they come after him? So he has options. He's going to make a whole lot more money than that $40 million he was going to make. Than the base salary with the uh, Raiders, I feel and like they need a quarterback. Yeah.
4: I feel like it's not completely the media driving it with the Jets because the Jets did hire Nathaniel Hackett. It's not like a, I, no, it's no, not like not people not are Hackett. out there saying like we got to Todd get Todd Nathaniel. Downing. What's that?
3: Todd Downing, not Nathaniel. Did Todd Downing? They are, no, I'm sorry, they, they, they did. They, they hired, hired Derek Carr's guy and they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Yep. So they've hired two coaches that have coached Rogers and Carr. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. There you go. They're just going to hire guys who've coached all the quarterbacks. <laughs> they're going to go get Greg Roman now and get in on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. While what they're...
3: about Garoppolo? There's somebody that's coached in they can add. Hell yeah.
2: They're going to steal Slowick right out from under the t- – Sloic will have the shortest tenure of an OC in history because the Jets are going to come steal him from the Texans for a draft pick.
3: Who's going to call plays there? If they say it, is it going to be Downing? I sure wouldn't want Hackett to call him
2: It sounds like Hackett's – well, Hackett's got the Hack- OC title. so Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So it sounds like Downing is in more of a support role. It he didn't like call when, him
3: in Green Bay and he called him in Denver
4: and he got fired. Yep. When Brett Favre was dangling retirement though, it kind of felt like, it'd be like if you're leaving for on a business trip and telling your wife, like, yeah, you're ugly and I don't need you. Uh, like, but meanwhile, like you've got a, like, there's a 19 year old pool boy outside with his like shredded abs and everything. Like it's a dumb thing to do. That was Aaron Rodgers. where now, now like Jordan Love is kind of like, you're leaving your wife for a week, but you're like, she's. The 79-year-old
2: plumber is there in <laughs> yeah. the house.
4: Like, okay. I'm good. Yeah, She'll I, still whatever. be there.
5: Yeah, yeah. Jordan yeah. Love. <laughs>
3: oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you okay, John? Yeah. John Seth nearly killed John yeah. McClain.
2: All right. Uh, John McClain joining us, as you can hear, for his weekly visit. Hey, John, if, if Patrick Mahomes were to walk away from the game today, is he a Hall of Famer?
3: Absolutely. First ballot. Uh, people ask me if would J.J. J. White be on the first ballot. I said, "Well, why? He had a lot of injuries." I said, "He just had 12 and a half sacks, three-time defensive player of the year, and of course he's going in on the first ballot." I wish he'd waited a year because Brady's going to dominate that class, and all those Patriot fans in Canton. But yes, Mahomes would be in the Hall of Fame right away. Okay, no, e- even first
2: just, time he's eligible in five years. Right, right. No, but even if he just cut it off after five years, so I'm walking away Absolutely. at age 27. Okay, gotcha. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Uh, John McClain joining us for his um, for his weekly visit. So what are you, John, you're headed to West Palm Beach to Astros spring training. What um, I, You're going to be like a kid at Disneyland. Like, What's the first thing you're going to be going and watching and looking for when you get down there?
3: Pitchers and catchers report today. They start working out tomorrow. Uh, some column ideas. I want to write about Hunter Brown. I want to write about the catching situation specifically. The backups is the, the best bullpen. I've still amazed that brian abreu spent time in sugarland last year and by the end of the season nobody was more dominant than him in the bullpen and then uh, when the vets get there and we're right about jose Brayu, i did i did some videos that are on gallery when i was over there for the reggie jackson mr october fundraiser where we did for christian lewis who shoots them in the empty ballpark i did stood on the pitcher's mound talked about the pitcher stood at Second base talked about the ballpark and then stood at first talking about the changing of the guard from Yuli Gurriel to Jose Abreu. So I have fun, even though I know it looked terrible on camera, I still like doing it. And so I told everybody I'm going to spring training and Jim Morris, the rookie, the subject of the rookie was 31 when he made his debut. Mm. And I'm making mine at 71.
4: There you go. John, you look better than you used to on camera because you dropped a yeah, weight. Why did it look weight. horrible? What do you mean? soda
3: Yeah. So
4: there you go. Well, why did it look horrible? Just because so, you were standing on the – like, were you running between the bases or anything? Or <laughs> no, were you it just
3: looked horrible because I was in it.
4: Oh, stop it, I've never Jonathan. liked
3: looking at myself, yeah. ever. Yeah. I don't even like hearing myself. Never yeah. have. But thank goodness people wanted, still are interested in me at my age, and I'm like a kid going to spring training, let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun! You guys should come down here sometime. We might. You, you, never, know. you never know. You never know. You'd have a
2: blast. You never know. Yeah, that no, that would be. A, don't tempt us, John. Don't tempt us with a good time. Um, so, uh, what do you got going on on your various platforms before you hop a flight, John?
3: The one I mentioned about doing Sports Radio six ten about uh, Bobby Slowick's offense uh, with Drod Johnson as his quarterback coach and what it should look like, and uh, and I've got. One, I'm going to write one. It'll be posted tonight on kickoff spring training with Dana Brown, the general manager who was tremendous last week at the Astros media luncheon, which is another thing I've never been to. And I'll have columns and videos every day. Guys, thank you very much. I appreciate it as always. And I look forward to talking to you next week from West Palm Beach and the ballpark of the Palm Beach.
2: All right. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Safe travels down to Florida. That's the great John McLean, the Hall of Famer, joining us as he does each and every week at this time. Winner of the tickets to Robert Plant and Allison Krauss, David in spring. Congrats, David. You're on your way to the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion on April the 26th. We'll give away some more tickets later on in the show. Um, John mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers basically wagging his finger at the media for misreporting the timing of the dark retreat. Some insufferable Aaron Rodgers audio <laughs> from the Pat McAfee show.
6: shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
1: you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey Sports Radio Six Ten presents Pain and Pendergast. All
2: right, it had been um, reported, I guess, by Ian Rappaport, that uh, Aaron Rodgers had left to go on his dark retreat. That I think Monday was the day, and um, oddly enough, Aaron Rodgers showed up on the on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. Most assuredly not on a dark retreat. There was plenty of light in the room as he was talking to Pat McAfee for his yeah. weekly Tuesday visit. That's when he talked yeah. to McAfee. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Um, they, and they have long-form conversations each week, and they've certainly generated uh, plenty of content for those of us in our business throughout the year, so thank you for that. Uh, yesterday, um, Aaron Rodgers took issue with the national media, particularly Ian Rappaport, and somehow Adam Schefter got a drive-by in this as well. Um, if they are reporting things about Aaron Rodgers, do not believe it because they are not in his inner circle.
3: That's my problem with the whole thing. It's no, I have no problem with Ian Rappaport. Schefter. I think they are really get their jobs. When it comes to me, they don't know shit. They really don't. They don't have. They don't have inner source. They don't have people in my inner circle who are sources. I can promise you that. And anybody who would talk to them is not in my inner circle. It's that simple. Yeah. So I've had this planned on the books for four months, for the same time. And when someone like that goes on and says something that's not true, it creates a story. That's bullshit, and it just keeps on going and going and going, and then it's like I'm trying to insert myself into this conversation. Okay,
4: so he didn't say anything. Hey, see, Schefter was lumped into it, but he didn't say that Schefter was reporting on this in particular. Not that I, I think I he heard. was talking about that class of reporters. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But
2: Schefter had to kind of be like, "Hey, man, what? <laughs> like, what?" I guess it's maybe a compliment <laughs> that he got lumped in there, right? Like, that, that yeah, was, I guess so. Like, yeah, because like, I yeah. think I, I think, and I generalize this way too. Anytime we talk about breaking news in the NFL, even though there's a handful of people beyond those two that do it, I think those two are viewed as the ones that break most of the big stories nationally. Schefter yeah. and Rapoport, probably. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. They um, And it's rare that they're wrong. So right. I, I guess that's where it comes down to, okay... Uh, the, <laughs> somebody's somebody is definitely telling them that this is stuff they have. like those guys are right so often it's not like they're out there fabricating stuff so they can get the leap on somebody else cuz their their credibility really really matters to them um but they definitely like uh, if if rogers is correct in saying like look the date has been set already it's like so somebody lied to ian rappaport and re- ian rappaport got burned on on when he said that it was yeah. i suppose the other time Remember, Rogers had, uh, there was that article that was written about Rogers and the hand signs, the hand signals. Oh, yeah, yeah That yeah. he uses. And basically, you could tell Rogers kind of took the writer of the story to task, saying it was the dumbest thing he'd ever read. When really, you could tell by reading the actual story that he hadn't read the story. Like, you, you could tell that what he had an issue with were what people were saying Blurbs. about the story itself. Yeah. Which is, that's where it kind of runs up against his his presentation of himself as a guy who's all about peace, love and happiness these days. He does go on the attack pretty easily and sometimes he goes on the attack errantly, which I I get it. He faces a whole lot of scrutiny and everything. But like uh, leave the poor lady that wrote the story alone. She actually wrote a pretty good story about all that stuff. Yeah, it was, and it was remember it was it was actual the names and the, the 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 quotes in the stories were not anonymous sources. They were actually Former teammates of Aaron Rodgers. And current. There were a couple current yeah. teammates. In yeah, there. current teammates. And Randall they were saying Cobb that, was like, quoted well, that in was all story. a bunch of made up crap. Like, yeah. what? No, like, those. they have their names on it. What are yeah. you talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Kalen Collar was the one who wrote the story for The Athletic, and that's the one who. Rogers took issue with there. I, here's my thing with what we just heard from Rogers right there. Like the the tone and the insufferability of it is sort of just kind of becoming background noise for me at this point with Rogers. Like it's become one of those things. I compare it to humidity in the summer in Houston. Like if you get vocally angry about the humidity in Houston in the summertime like yeah, it's humid here, dude. Like don't yes, we get it. Hey, you like, got
4: to embrace it. Embrace the fact that you live in a place where you can walk in pretty much anywhere with a fully soaked shirt and people are cool with it. Right. but yeah. So
2: Aaron Rodgers is sort of the same thing for like, oh, yeah, we get it. Like his tone, like he's insufferable. He's, he's condescending, all those things. We understand. He's never going to change. My whole thing with this, like, where he's getting seemingly, like, agitated with the reporting and stuff, I think he loves it. I think he loves that it gets misreported. I think he loves that he gets a chance to be agitated on the McAfee show. I think he loves that he's getting attention for something as, honestly, like, as weird and bizarre and... I, I don't know how significant, I was going to say insignificant. I, look, if he's going there to clear his head and make a decision on what he's doing, and then by definition it's not insignificant, but it is yep. a strange thing. We're all getting worked up over a dark retreat. I think he loves this. I think he loves gonna, the attention.
4: I'm going to say this. I'll be the one person that uh, actually keeps things on task, uh, Sean, with all of this. Yeah. I think it's a sign of his softness that he's only doing the four-day retreat. This is uh, said that. yes. If he was fully committed to it, he would do far more than four days. A lot of times, like, the really insightful stuff only just begins on day four. What is he afraid of? Why doesn't he just go for day five, day six, day seven? Like, so many other little, you know, frankly, like, scrawny internet nerds have done for the sake of their YouTube channel. Yes. I've watched them all, and they're all tougher than Aaron Rodgers. You Come have, on, Aaron. You... Do you actually want greatness? Do you want, do you want to be a winner again? Huh? I, I would say of the, like, non, Conventional
2: sports things that you and I touch on. This is the one that you've done the deepest dive on recently. Is the the darkness retreat? Yeah, you have done a lot of research
4: on this. I, I've done a research. I've watched YouTube videos. That's research and, uh, in this day and, and age. You know that yeah. I'm going to call it research. That's it's
2: like humidity in Houston. That Sean's going to call it research. <laughs>
4: I've read articles. I've read actual yeah. words about it. Yeah, and everything that happens during it. It is really interesting. It's um, if you. This is the thing. If it were somebody saying they were going off to do it as part of their meditation practice, um, or you know, as part of their religious awakening or something, if they were dressed, if they were dressed kind of piously or something, or like a monk, you might be like, "Oh wow, that's impressive." There's something about Aaron Rodgers doing it where you're like, "Ah, weird Californian, yeah, whatever." <laughs> you know, just ah, he's Hollywood. He wants to be Hollywood. <laughs> he's got his
2: his uh, his tapered running sweats on probably yeah, a hoodie, yeah. you know. Like a, like a, a a $300 hoodie. Um, yeah. he just had a really nice haircut. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't look like the doesn't fit the prototype.
4: He's been looking lately when he does the McAfee show though. It looks more and more like he's just rolling out of bed and his hair is all kind of like not messed up in a quaff type of way. He's just he's letting go in a way that would make me nervous if I were paying him $40 million a year. Yeah. It's a way that I I feel like I, I know we joke about this a lot, but honestly, you know what no I, Brandy and I have been watching some of these documentaries about the De the Grateful Dead uh Bob Dylan, various other people. Oh, the Beatles, and like after Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club bands, when they started to go on their psychedelic journeys there was a there were there came a moment where they're kind of like they they couldn't perform the music the same way because their perspective on life was so different. Oh wow, and I would worry that. Roger if I were a football coach I would worry about that Roger's like might be way happier as a human being might like totally feel like he's got it all figured out and yet that's not necessarily conducive to being a good quarterback. As you've pointed you know? out
2: many times, you want... Yeah.
4: Well, I, you, usually I'm a, I'm kind of saying a half tongue-in-cheek, but I've come to believe it more and more and more. Yeah. And what
2: I'm referring to is you saying that you want your quarterbacks and your head coaches to have zero perspective, basically. Yes. I'm you want life, them to yeah. be
4: irrational football junkies. Yes. I don't want them to be healthy mentally. Yeah. Like they, need to be, right. they need to be driven, uh, like career-driven and focused on all the... R- all the all the success and admiration of others, but nothing that actually truly matters. In life.
2: You and I <laughs> debated earlier in the show over if Derek Carr went to an NFC team, which quarterbacks are definitively better than Derek Carr in the NFC. And it's a much shorter list than people might think, at least in, in our opinion. But the one thing you and I differed on was I think Aaron Rodgers is definitively better than Derek Carr. You don't think he's definitively better or maybe even better at all than Derek Carr. I'm rethinking it now. If he comes back from a dark retreat with any sort of perspective... Derek Carr's the better quarterback, I
4: think. Oh yeah. 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 For sure.
2: This is not going to be good for Aaron Rodgers uh his perspective on well, his his lack of perspective that he needs to be a good quarterback.
4: You know the thing is it's it all matters like okay at what stage are you in in life too. Like if 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 Rodgers had gone through this when he was in college or something and kind of had time to sort it all out then you embark on your professional career then, then that's different. It's when, you, it's when you, all of a sudden you have a huge shift in personal philosophy or perspective midway through your career or yeah. towards the end of your career that it's, it's not so easy to adjust to that. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's not so true. easy to all of a sudden attack things with the same passion yeah. because you're reevaluating everything in your life.
2: Yes, yes. But what we do know is that Derek Carr is getting ready to take free agency visits, not go on a dark retreat, and yeah. that he –
4: I'm just pissed off. It's
2: irrationally pissed off after (laughs) losses.
4: That's true. Because of. He's pissed off because. uh, And then he went on to kind of just casually uh, expose his his teammates as using drugs irresponsibly. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah, Perhaps painkillers. Probably got a doctor uh, lose his license somehow after that press conference. Ah, Idea
2: what methods we use to get back on the field. The number of needles we take on a Saturday to play on a Sunday is something you guys can't even imagine. And the fact that we just went out and put a performance out like that with that much drugs coursing through all our veins, I'm just pissed off. I'm just pissed off.
4: If you saw the size of the needle. If you saw the javelin.
2: If you saw the javelin that Josh Jacobs had put in his right butt cheek i'm just pissed off i'm just pissed off
4: <laughs>
2: i want
6: to sign <laughs> you know Derek much, Carr now you, you know, how know how much, what a, i've talked about know how much money i had to
4: pay the the team doctor to bribe him to prescribe me this stuff yeah i'm just pissed, You'd be, pissed yeah, off. i'm pissed off. pissed off
6: i'm just pissed off
2: <laughs> i want Derek car now i changed my mind <laughs> No Bryce he's willing show. to do
4: what it takes sean yeah
2: no yeah yes up to hey,
4: a- ayahuasca might do some incredible things for you. It ain't gonna get you through the third and fourth quarter of the you got NFC that right. championship game, theoretically. You got yeah. the- theoretically. You got that right.
2: <laughs> All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, on a on a Wednesday. Um, the uh, baseball has adopted or is permanently adopting a rule that had people a little bit worked up. Also, they're focusing in on something this season that might have a huge effect on one of the Astros
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com. mobilecom
2: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. The strength of the Astros has been their pitching staff the last couple of years. Good offensively, but really good pitching. Starting pitching in particular. Super deep the last couple of years. But with Justin Verlander leaving, everybody bumps up a spot. For Amber Valdez is your ace now. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, Christian Javier is your number two, it would appear. Lance McCullers is somewhere in that mix as well. Luis Garcia is a really important piece too. And if you are someone who is a Luis Garcia fan, been real solid his first couple of years in MLB, but there is going to be an emphasis on one of the rules this year that the that Major League Baseball feels like they've gotten a little sloppy with. The illegal pitches and the balk calls are going to be something that will be a point of emphasis this year for Major League Baseball. They've added some new rules. They've approved permanently the rule for the ghost runner and in extra innings. We'll get to all that. But, Seth, this, um, this rule, the rule in particular – is rule, as you know, 5.07A1. I know you right. will cite that I'd chapter. i that
4: it should be uh, A3, but whatever yeah, whatever.
2: yeah, yeah. No, you get very passionate about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it describes the windup, and it allows the pitcher to, quote, take one step backward and one step forward with his free foot. Most pitchers comply with that mandate, but not all. Um, a quote from an MLB official by the last name of S.W.O.R.D., <laughs> Pretty badass. Um, we've had pitchers over the last couple of seasons develop more complex windups where they rock back and forth and take multiple steps. The rulebook does not permit that. We're going to get better at calling that so you're only allowed one step backward before we call an illegal pitch, which brings Luis Garcia into the conversation. This is what the article in The Athletic says. In particular, one of the game's most unique deliveries technically runs afoul of this rule. Astros right-hander Luis Garcia famously, quote, rocks the baby, end quote, swinging his arms and taking steps forward and backward before raising his leg and moving down the mound, mechanics he favors and that he developed on his own, purely for their repeatability. Now he will have to adjust or face being frequently called for an automatic ball.
4: Okay, so you're allowed to take two total steps. Yeah, here's,
2: I'm just reciting the rules. So here, I'll do it again. The uh, yeah. the wind-up the, the, the wind allows the pitcher to, quote, take one step backward and yeah. one step forward with his free foot. You quote. know,
4: I think, Luis, the, the whole thing is, the first step that he takes with his free foot, in the one that I'm watching right now, his toe actually doesn't come up off the ground. Okay. I think, and then he takes a step forward, takes a step back, and he rocks a little, but then he throws, I think... You know what? I call bogus. I think as long as that toe is on the ground with the first step, that he's that he's that that that's not considered a step. I think this is what happens, Sean. This is what happens with the crusty old dudes in front, in charge of the rule book. They confuse hip swivel with a step mm-hmm. um, because they lack the ability to swivel their hips themselves. Um, they see anybody doing a little bit of hip swiveling and they're um, in and they don't know what to do with themselves. So I. I would say that Luis Garcia needs to go ahead and contest this. I think he's going to be just fine.
2: Um, What do you think – we'll see how they end up calling this thing with Garcia. I mean, the rule changes are pretty significant. This is by far the most significant offseason for rule changes in my lifetime of watching baseball. What do you think are the ones – that are going to affect the Astros the most.
4: He does, by the way, real quick, I because now I've watched like four in a row. Yeah. Sometimes he takes a toe up, sometimes he doesn't. I think he's just going to have to modify it to be sure that he doesn't do it all the way. Um, I think that the the biggest things that people would worry about are, aside from this Luis Garcia nonsense, I think Framber Valdez being a ground ball pitcher, an extreme ground ball pitcher as the shift is eliminated, um, might be one of the barriers to him getting a new deal right now. Because it's you know we've talked a lot about how wow man without a shift Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez might just be smoking things yeah um, some of their line drives some of their ground some of theirs, their their hundred and five mile per hour ground balls that were unfortunately outs might not be any outs anymore those might be turning into doubles so um I I think that Framber should be concerned the other thing I'd be nervous about is just like okay Jose Altuve. Out of 378 qualified batters, Jose Altuve is 359th in terms of tempo, like time between pitches. And he's got a pretty intricate and ornate (laughs) and repetitive routine. routine. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, repetitive routine. So Altuve and then Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker is 373rd out of 378. Which, and that's, you know, much of the time without gloves even. So I don't know when he's wearing gloves if it gets even longer.
2: He's he's reaching down and getting that dirt from the batter's box. Yeah,
4: yeah. So those are the two guys. I mean, Martin Maldonado is pretty slow also. Um, But I don't. This might end up being a really good thing for him. I'm actually kind of like, okay, you know what? Yeah, yeah. speed Maldonado up a little bit, get right. him back there in the box. Would
2: hate for Maldonado to change anything about his routine in the back. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. And uh, Chaz McCormick is just as slow as Jose Altuve. Okay. So those are the those are the guys like the current Astros that are towards the bottom of the spectrum when it comes to how how quickly they're they take their pitches. Um I don't know. The El Tube is the one that I guess has been doing the same routine the longest that I would worry about him messing with his routine. But I'm sure I'm sure he started working with it as soon as he started getting back in the batting cage.
2: Yeah, there's two there's two aspects to this speeding up of the game. There's the pitch clock, but part of the pitch clock is that the batter needs to be set and in the batter's box by a certain time during that during that sequence as well. I, th- I think it's like eight or nine seconds, something like that, that the batter needs to be set and ready to go. The pitchers have 15 seconds in between pitches, 20 seconds when there are runners on base. So yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on all those, Seth. Um, what do you think about them adopting? And some people may not have heard this, but the the extra inning rule that they've used since COVID, where they put a runner on second automatically, in the tenth inning, the extra innings each team starts with a runner on second is, and they've been using it since COVID, but sort of on a probationary basis. Yeah, they've now adopted it's it, it is the full time rule now moving forward. I don't have a big problem with. It. I know some people do because it's not the same as the other nine innings. I think it's fun. I think there's a little strategy involved with it. I'm cool with
4: it. It's it's interesting because it it doesn't seem like it's had as big uh, big an impact as maybe people would have expected it to. I'm surprised. I know some people have complained about it. I don't particularly like it, but I don't get all up in arms about it. I'm actually surprised that this seems to be the one that people objected to the least. Because it does, for a sport that, you know, obviously... Cares about stats more than just about any other sport. This skews the this skews the stats when you start to get into these extra innings. It feels like it's it's a muted version of the college overtime, where all of a sudden you know college football overtime. Yeah. Yeah where all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, we're just going to score another 45 points here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, all right. <laughs> I, I hey, enjoy your school record for most touchdowns in a football game. Well, they yeah. finally
2: stopped doing that. They, yeah. they, they, did, they did. They used to count the stats in overtime towards y- yeah, the actual stats. Yeah. So, Kellen Mond, I think, has the record for touchdown passes in an Aggie game because he was the quarterback in that, like, 74 to 72 game against LSU. Yeah. So, he threw, like, eight touchdown passes or something. That was that was silly. Um, I don't mind it. It has been very effective in preventing really long games, which I think is is something. I think Major League Baseball as, an, as a sport has just gotten more in tune with the workload on pitchers and what it means to arms and things like that. It's dramatically reduced the number of games that go anywhere beyond like 11 innings. There's rarely a game. I think there were 11 games total that went 13 innings or more last year. It yeah. routinely used to be three to four times that each season. So... I don't have a big problem with it. Um, I know some people do just because they feel like it jerks with the integrity of the game. There's 162 games in the regular season in baseball. I have a hard time getting worked up over the integrity of a game on July 19th or something like that. Somebody
4: said just end games and ties during the regular season. I hate ties. That, no, I boy, a, no, I need a I winner. Know, No, I know. And in baseball, especially. That, that would be... Yeah. they my if you if you wanted to really piss people off, sorry, Mike. <laughs> semi win. Love yeah. <laughs> Careful what you say about Michael Irvin. He's litigious these days. Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> uh, we love you, Mike. Just on this show, yeah. just so you know, we love. Uh, we love yeah, semi just wins, guys
4: but... uh, ties and ga- uh, games and ties in the regular season. No, no. nobody's going for that,
2: dude. I I'm... also,
4: I for the, for one, I am all for like. It's quick in overtime period is, but I think yeah. everything should come down to penalty kicks or some kind, some version of that, you know, shots on goal, whatever it Home is. Home run so, yeah. derby,
2: dude. Home run derby. Hmm. Yes. That's the equivalent of penalty kicks.
4: How about, or just one pitch, like a one pitch at bat. Uh. the well, and then it's, I don't know. First person on base. You get like, I don't know. I don't know. No, no. Home run. How derby, about you have to man. one pitch to every batter in the order? So you go, you have one pitcher who's got to go every. Dude. If your pitcher gets injured, you lose. That's it. Like, okay, it's all right. You're just, okay, sorry, you can't go all, you're done.
2: How about this? The NHL, they start removing guys from each team. They get to, like, it's five on five usually. They go yeah. to four on four, so it opens up more ice. How about you start removing an outfielder? You only play with two oh, outfielders or that's something.
4: That's actually, okay, I like that. Yeah. I like that, or I like the one pitch per batter. And with the, with the, the rule that, like, basically, whoever ends up with – Either the most base hits, the like the most walks. If you got, like you took fewer strikes, whatever it is. Like, however, and if it's a ball, it's a walk. So, like, so you got nine pitches. Each guy gets an at-bat and
2: boom, Ooh, there you go. Ooh, okay. That is like penalty kicks kind of right there. Yeah. All right. Um. So, we're not scared. We say all this to say, uh, Seth, you say fear not for Luis Garcia.
4: I say fear not for Luis Garcia. Um, and people are asking, like, I thought the balk was only for people on base. That's where it, it's more of a—they're doing a clarification of the rule book because Garcia doesn't do that long windup when he's um, when there's when runners he, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, When there's
2: nobody on, it's a ball. Like if yeah. you do, if you, balk, if you balk while nobody's on base, they stop yeah. the game and they give a ball to the to the to the hitter in the batter's box.
4: I guess so. L two Framber is the one I'm, I guess. Most curious about, like, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be a bad pitcher or anything, but without the shift, is he going to be less dominant?
2: Yeah. That's probably a concern for all the ground ball pitchers I would imagine. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. I think it's a good point about, is this affecting his contract extension talks at all? Yeah. Uh, with the team.
4: Because they were Uh, look, the Astros love data and they don't, they don't have a lot of data on just, uh, well, they've got over a century of data on what baseball was like before the shift but they don't necessarily have it on Framber Valdez himself
2: yeah 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 Framber's contract talks which according to his agent are are uh, don't exist they're not happening right now which I don't believe for one single solitary minute all right um, Payne and Pendergast with you it is a uh, Wednesday heading into the nine o'clock hour we got a big announcement coming up at 9 45 so listen for that big announcement coming up about this show about Payne and Pendergast so Um, Be uh, listening. And we've got tickets coming up now, Ben? Okay. All right, then. Uh, I thought those were coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as well, but I didn't go down the rundown far enough. All right. That's Robert Plant and Allison Krauss right there. You want tickets to go see them in person on April the 26th at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion? Of course you do. On their Raising the Roof tour. I know when I think of Raising the Roof, the name that comes to mind is for sure Robert Plant and Allison Krauss. Uh, 713-572-4610. Caller number five. You're going to win a pair of tickets to go see the legendary Robert Plant and Allison Krauss at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion on April the 26th. 713-572-4610. Caller number five. Did Jim Irsay give the Texans and other teams in the NFL the answers to the test on draft day yesterday? That is next.